Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And boy, do I have a fun guest in the house today. Don Levy is a leadership expert. He's a consultant. He's a coach. He's got top clients like the FDIC, you know, the police, uh, Becker, I mean, federal and local institutions. Oh my goodness. How are you doing today? I'm almost scared to ask you. You work with the police too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the music group, but uh <laughs> You know, Don. So, okay. So you've 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 released you've released that that little uh, piece of information, which I was gonna get to, but now I have no choice but to tell the world that you're actually a master musician as well. In addition to all the leadership development stuff you do, and for anyone who doesn't know, the police thing is the musical group, the police. <laughs> but Don, tell us how did you become? I mean you know, the leadership development experts you are today. Where did you come from? Music to this? Tell us. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because uh, we were talking earlier that when uh, I was 17 years old, I played in a band that opened for Jimi Hendrix Experience in uh, wow. back in Boston. And I told my dad, I said, you know, I'm not going to college. I said, um, I'm going to I'm going to be a rock star. And my father told me, he says, you know what the difference is between you being a rock star and a large pepperoni pizza? And I said, what? He says, you can feed a family of four with a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> so that ruined my career as a musician uh, for a full-time job. But I, I'm classically trained. I, I play classical guitar now, and I play in a lot of uh, churches around the central Texas area. But my my transition, my career, it's really been the epitome of being a jack of all trades. You know, since elementary school, I've always wanted to be a teacher to make a difference in people's lives. And it's come back to me in ways decades later I would never have envisioned back then. My, my first professional job out of college was as a research geological oceanographer with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And uh, from there, I worked for Phillips Petroleum as an exploration geologist and managed uh, multi-million dollar oil and gas exploration projects. Now, at the same time, I taught part-time as an adjunct faculty lecturer at the University of Houston in the Department of Natural Sciences and Mathematics. So I'm still kind of got my fingers in the teaching profession a little bit. But, and after the oil bust of 1986, when oil fell to less than $10 a barrel, Mm -hmm. um, I had to find a career, a, a different career, uh, and I spent nearly 15 months out of work, and I eventually even lost my, my fortune and my house to foreclosure during that time. Wow. But lucky for me, in my, in my backpack, I had software and computer experience with NOAA and with Phillips Petroleum. That helped me transition to the high-tech world, and I eventually went on to manage people and projects for such companies as Motorola and Intel Corporation. And... You know, over my 30-year career leading and managing people and projects, I've had the opportunity to speak at, oh, I would guess, 60 to 70 conferences in the earth sciences, high technology, and other fields. And basically, they, I, I share people how to accelerate their careers, build their brands, develop influence and persuasion strategies. So my childhood goal of becoming a teacher revealed itself in a different context than what I had expected initially. Wow. You know, it's interesting. You and I have several parallels. Um, and one of them is this idea of, you know, the link between musicians and teachers. 
you know, like you, my father said, actually, he, he didn't say what your dad said. My dad <laughs> said in, in an African language, in Igbo, he said, um, anybody can play guitar. <laughs> Go get a real job. <laughs> so that kind of put me on, on that path, too. But, you know, my father was a teacher. And I think like you, somehow the musicians in us or the musician in, in us really works well with being a teacher. Has that been your experience that the teaching thing is really sort of from that music, isn't it? It is. And, and it's uh, especially when you're practicing in your studio. I've got a recording studio in my home here. and and you're trying to when, when when you take information like sheet music and you want to put your own flavor to it it's you're teaching yourself something as you're learning the sheet music but you're putting your your own self and your own thoughts and your own talent into that yeah. and so it's it's kind of like a self-teaching mechanism but i you know i've even taught other people you know how the people want to go hey don show me that eddie van halen lick you know and yeah sure here's how you do it you know you, you have to be patient with people who who don't know as much as you do. And yeah. that's playing guitar. That's a great way to learn that lesson. Yeah, no, and, and I have to say, when you told me that about the, the Hendrix thing and the Van Halen, I'm like this, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you have so much of my respect. It's funny though, I think you may actually agree with me on, on this learning that I got from music. Being good at music does not equate to being successful at the business of music it's like the, the the eddie van halen licks and and the playing with hendrix still had to be translated through business right yeah. um and in fact on that note i have a question for you um on your on your linkedin page you list global leadership influence strategies in six or seven different languages T tell me what that what that signifies for you what what's the uh, you don't speak all seven languages do you no, no, I don't. But uh, I, I've hired people, contractors, to translate a lot of my marketing documents. Okay. Now the universal language is English. People, in, business people in those countries that mm -hmm. speak those languages speak English. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do was try to gain a little connection with them by pr providing information in their native language. Yeah. And uh, it seems to that was my original plan was to to, to promote my consulting my in-person consulting business and speaking business in Europe for 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I go, wow, I can't travel. My wife and I love to travel to Europe and mm -hmm. we can't travel anymore. So how am I going to change this business model? And so now it's, it's all virtual. Wow. And, and it's, it's interesting. As I said, we have so many parallels. We're both in Austin, but that's not why we connected. We, we connected on LinkedIn and we both have music studios in our homes. Um, <laughs> and now yesterday we both experienced the unbelievable snow in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, yeah, it was incredible. It was crazy. I mean, I was taking so many pictures and video that I got frostbite <laughs> running around outside, you know, shooting video. Wow. Uh, just amazing. Let's talk a little bit about what you do. I mean, you, you talk about positioning, influence and and strategy and things like that um for leaders and helping them become thought leaders in the field uh -huh. you know what challenges do the leaders that you come across have that are are sort of the things that you are able to help them with like where are they in their mindset and in their lives when you meet them well i i, I think in light of the business paradigm shifts that have occurred because of the global pandemic mm -hmm. the most significant leadership challenge 
going forward, I think, is to concentrate on the emotional health and well-being of the workforce. Mm. Employees need empathetic leadership that they can trust. They need technology support for the virtual workplace. They need leaders who can model how to cope in spite of setbacks, in spite of the various barriers and challenges or limited resources that everybody's dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. It's the, 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 the key word for leadership going forward into 2021 and into 2022 is emotional. You have to be able to tap in to the emotions and the well-being of the workforce. And I think business leadership is faced with challenges that require strong emotional and influential intelligence and leadership presence. Leaders have to be able to engage others to build trust, position the value of their vision, um, and be able to influence the outcome of decisions that serve all stakeholders, not just shareholders, Mm -hmm. but all stakeholders. And they need to be able to convert others into advocates, allies, champions, clients, customers, uh, things like that. You know, you know, Don, I have to tell you, and I won't reveal any names, but I worked for someone once in my career, a leader, a CEO, who told me point blank, she didn't have any time for emotions in the workplace. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's one of those yeah. things where you go, I probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, that's a sign. Up, yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder what, what your take is for people who, who are leaders, who think, you know, let, let's deal with results let's let's talk about you know outcomes don't talk about people in these emotions you know that's pulling us back how do you help people understand as you've said (laughs) the successful business of the future focuses not only on these outcomes but these emotions of these people it's it's funny because i see this even with um marketing my own business sometimes the question always comes down to do people trust their leadership um, and I think even as these restrictions are going to be relaxed, we're going to see more hybrid work environments. That means they're going to see people working from home and working from the office. The workforce, on my, based on my experience or what other people are telling me, the workforce is looking to leaders for genuine empathy, trust, resilience to navigate the emotional and psychological rebalancing that's going to be necessary. Um, that this may extend long after the whole pandemic is history. Yeah, that's what's needed. And the, for for the people who say they don't have time for the emotional well being of their workforce, they're dinosaurs, and and they're, they're the same ones that scratch their head. Why are all my? Why is the intellectual property leaving this company? Why? What is it that they don't like about this company? And it's it's the people leave because of bad management not anything, pretty much not anything else. You got a bad manager, people are updating the resume and looking for opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, you know, I, I, hate to, I hate to see any, or look for any positive in such a negative situation as the pandemic. But I have to tell you, the pandemic in my view exposed sort of a vulnerability of everyone as, as humans, you know, almost an existential vulnerability. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if you are a leader, you had to deal with emotions because guess what? It's, it's out there. It's raw. You know, what did this pandemic, and, and I, I'd love to hear your, your opinion. First of all, I hope 
<laughs> I hope everyone you know is okay, but yes. what did this pandemic re release into our leadership lexicon, if you will? I, I think, it, well, I, it goes back to the emotional. I think that uh, leaders, people are dealing with things, the health of their family, their mm -hmm. own wealth, uh, health and well-being. What's my, do I, will, will I have a job going forward? Uh, even the, the, now we've got the, on top of that, this political situation that's just creating more uh, turmoil for leaders and, and the workforce to address. And it's all underlying that is emotion. We're emotional creatures. Humans are emotional creatures. We make decisions based on emotion after we maybe rationalize the pros and cons. The, the final decision is an emotional one. Yeah. And we, you just can't get away from it that way. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree. So you also talk about sharpening engagement. Um, you know, I, I, I love that word. It, it means a lot of things. Uh, on the leadership side, people, you could equate engagement with what I call happiness. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. On the marketing side, you, engagement is really about people, you know, becoming followers of your, your, your work and your content. So it's a little, a couple of different things. What do you mean by engagement? Because I know you, you help leaders both inside the leadership and also on the business side. So what do you mean by engagement? Well, I've, I've discovered over the years, <clears throat> there are three phases to engagement. There's a pre-engagement where you're trying to establish familiarity with maybe a decision maker, a hiring manager, uh, someone you eventually maybe want to do business with or, or work for. Pre-engagement phase, you engage those people on their on their social media channels because you're trying to establish familiarity and familiar and a little bit of trust. Then there's a the uh, direct engagement phase where you actually can sit down face to face or screen to screen yeah. to where people can make that connection. And then the post engagement phase is how you use your branded value and expertise to continue to promote that you are the secret weapon that they've been looking for to help them in their business. So that engagement phase doesn't really end. It continues on. It's an ongoing uh, uh, relationship building. Interesting. So you, you actually see engagement as equivalent on both the business and the leadership side? I mean, like those, oh, absolutely. Three, steps, those three steps have, you know, equivalencies somewhere on both of those areas. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm speaking that, uh, like from a, a lot of people come to me for career advice. I am not a career coach, never have been, yeah. but I'm an influence and persuasion strategist. Got and it. that's a big difference. And I show people, look, the, the, here's what greases the wheels of business in, in America and around the world. Influence and persuasion. That's it. And I show them through cover letters, resumes, interview strategies, post-interview strategies, the secret to engaging with decision makers and increasing your odds of getting that job offer. And that whole engagement phase, uh, it applies to people in the leadership and applies to people outside of the leadership, individuals. I, I just love your um, uh, sort of the, the, the taxonomy you used, the way you describe positioning and influence strategist. I don't know that I've heard of someone who describes themselves the, quite that way. Um, and and I, I particularly like your use of the word conversions, which again, 
is is more on the business side, like you know, yeah. website conversions. You know, how many people went from this part of your funnel to that part? But you're using it in the context of leadership as well. And in now, it, yeah, exactly. And um, I have a program called Epic Results. E P I C stands for engage, mm -hmm. position, influence, and convert. Ah, and it shows how. And it does what you said earlier. It shows people how to sharpen their engagement, enhance their position, grow their influence, and get higher compliance or conversions. And, and here's the interesting thing. Each of these four stages of this epic results process mm -hmm. has proprietary strategies and tactics I developed with such, the, with such names as engage mentality. Ooh, I like that. You got it. I hope you've TM'd all this. I did. Work. It's trademarked. It is. TMs. It is. <laughs> and connect working rather than networking, connect working. Nice. That's trademarks, dude. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going with you on that. I love it. The other thing I have, um, uh, uh, the names, uh, I have one, uh, a, a strategy and a tactic called the mind worm contagion. <laughs> and that's you when that. what, what, you're what branded. I, I know it sounds. Oh God! It's a it's a science fiction novel or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a um, it's the strength of an element of your brand that's been repeated enough times in the mind of a decision maker that you're the first person they think of when they see that name or that term. And what you're doing that's why the pre engagement is so important because you're establishing this this familiarity and trust. Yeah. And what happens when you're familiar when, when a decision maker is familiar with you and trusts you when it comes time to do business the people they're familiar with and the people they trust and the people they like those names go to the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that mind worrying contagion is. It's taking your branded value and expertise and promoting it in in the social media channels that decision makers frequent to get your name out there. I have another one called the continuum of belief. That's that's another proprietary technique that I that I share. Mm -hmm. I have one called the valuosity quotient, and probably the biggest one is called the is the Trojan horse technique. That is a post engagement strategy that uh, will just completely blow people away when I share it with them. Well, let me first tell you, I love all of these. I'm, <laughs> I really like these. Like I love things like valuosity. I mean, my goodness, it's your own word. I love that. Um, I can see you wrote these or created these before the epi the pandemic because you probably wouldn't have made the mindworm contagion. <laughs> yeah, I might have. Yeah, I might have probably used a different word. But you know, on the mindworm one, I really like that because it, it reminds me of earworm. You know, when you know in music, a song when you hear it so many times on the radio, it's called an earworm because you can't get rid of it. It's like I love this song. I don't know why. You know. And I called it that based on the earworm analogy. Oh, okay, good, good, yeah. Because when I was, I'm probably a lot older than you, but I remember in the 60s, the song Hang On Sloopy. DJs played that song over and over and over on the radio. And I actually got uh, called into the principal's office because I was taking a test mm -hmm. and I was humming the song while I was taking the test and the teacher told me that I was being a distraction. It was an earworm. I couldn't get out of my head. But wow. it's the same thing with the mindworm contagion. Mm -hmm. It's a brand. It's the it's the uh, the brand version of a song earworm. That when a decision maker, uh, when your brand is strong enough, that's all that decision maker sees when they need 
to uh, to hire someone or to contract with someone or do business with another company, your brand is right there. It's it's con- it's contaminated and can it's it's just contagious. <laughs> it's contagious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, that's just so powerful. Um, you know, it's funny what you're doing is really not only unique but really strong in in my view because. You know, because like you, I sort of straddle the leadership side of the world and the marketing side of the world. What I see you doing is bringing them together, really, because you're almost telling leaders, you know, you need sort of the 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 marketing language that works out in the business world when you want to influence people too. you're almost bringing that together, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Sales and marketing needs to go under undergo a name change. It needs to be influence and persuasion. Love that. That's so true. That's so true. Because people go, "Oh, I don't like to sell." Well, but they they don't realize that part of getting what they want in their careers or in their business is being able to influence, persuade other people that they have a a value uh, to provide either a service or a product that other people want and need. And yeah. that's the whole secret is in influence and persuasion. Well, you know, so many people talk about wanting to be a thought leader. And the funny thing is that, um, you know, social media has already taken that paradigm to the next level by this thing called followers. You know, the whole idea of earning followers is what makes you a thought leader. Exactly. You know, it's one of those things where if you, if you look behind and nobody's following you, then you're not a leader, you're just taking a walk, right? That's what they say, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, your idea of, of, hey guys, Stop calling it sales and marketing. Call it influence and call it leadership because that's what you're doing. It's exactly what it is. And I, I, one of my seminars I was doing at a conference, um, I asked the, the, the audience, I said, how many people here, raise your hand if you consider yourself an inf- influencer or a thought leader? Everybody. And no, one hand went up. Only Sheepishly, one hand? Real slow, real slow. Went up oh. like that. And I go, <laughs> why do you consider yourself a thought leader? Uh-huh. And she started to rattle off and then all the accomplishments. And then I said to her, how many people have referred to you as a thought leader? That's where the currency is, not calling yourself an influencer or a thought leader, but how many other people consider you an influencer in the thought leader? So that's why uh, most of the audience, they all kept their hands down because I think they realized I'm not going to raise my hand because, you know, I may think I am, but really in the marketplace, it's other people who, who give me that label, not yeah. me. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, um, since we met on LinkedIn, I'll share with you my LinkedIn analogy for that. As a person on LinkedIn, as a professional on LinkedIn, I know I do, and maybe you do, we get a lot of people trying to connect with us. And the culture of LinkedIn is such that, yeah, even if you don't know the person, you usually kind of say, yeah, sure, I'll connect with you, <laughs> right? Because we think yeah. connection is harmless. And then they try to sell us something and we realize, hey, wait a second. But the thing yeah. is, connections are easy. What's hard is followers. Because to get yeah, people I, to- Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, because to get people to actually see your content, learn about you and say, hey, I want more of that. That to me, that's influence right there. I, I think that it's easy to find clients. You know, it's easy to go out there and find, or not clients, but potential clients. Yeah, prospects. The, yeah. Yeah, prospects. The difficult thing is convincing them, if they've never heard of you, to trust that you can deliver on the promises you've made to them. There you go. Yeah. And I just had one today, like you mentioned, uh, somebody on LinkedIn 
we connected. She sent me an invite. We connected. She was kind of in the same business. And then right away, she pitched me on. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's like, no, you know what? No, thanks. I'm, f- I'm, I'm taking you off my network list. <laughs> you know, totally different paradigm between connections and followers. Now, you know, this is a topic that I normally love the most in the world, profitable happiness. But with you, I'm particularly interested in this because of your your history and how you have actually genuinely taken your happiness and you've brought it along with you as you pursue your business and your profit. Um, you know, you even talked about what was that thing you said? The book, you got to remind me something. Uh, what's your and? What's your and? Yeah. Tell us all about how in your life, in your business, You've taken your and, right? You got to explain that too. But you're sure. taking your happiness yeah. and you've made it profitable. Tell us about that. Well, it's it's funny. Um, you know, I'm not a believer in the advice that others offer to to follow your passion. You know, follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Some people's passions just can't support their lifestyles. Yeah. So years ago, I had a surfer friend uh, whose passion was traveling the world, looking to find the perfect wave. But he couldn't make a living doing that. He didn't have a film company sponsoring, you know, his global travels. And he spent everything he earned following his passion. And for that, he ended up homeless. Um, You know, there's a lot of people out there looking for their own passionate, perfect wave. But they should do something they enjoy doing first. And then they'll find the passion. Profitable happiness to me is connecting with people to help them create professional success and fulfillment that leads to financial security and abundance in all definitions of those words. Yes. Whether you're making a hundred thousand a year, 50,000 a year or or 10 million a year and abundance isn't just financial. It's wealth and health and prosperity and joy and happiness. That's my definition of abundance. I, I, first of all, thank you for that definition of profitable happiness. I, I happen to agree with you that, Follow your passion can be one of the most dangerous pieces of advice on the planet. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But what, but, what it, but what it could be, I think, is take your passion with you, right? There's a difference between following your passion and like right there, my guitar is, is your music. Well, you don't have your studio in sight behind you, but I know it's there. We've taken what we love to do with us. We haven't abandoned it. That's when you go wrong is you wake up, you're successful in business, and then you're unhappy because the things that make you happy never came along. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. And uh, the thing that I think can make people happy is uh, finding their their joy and their abundance is taking a servant attitude to whatever it is they do. Mm. Even as leaders. And as a leader, you are. You're a servant. If you understand the whole purpose of leadership, it's not a title. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a pathway that you are charged with clearing for others behind you. Mm. And I think one important thing that people should ask is, what problem can I help someone solve today with my skills and expertise and knowledge and brand and value? How can I help someone be successful today? It's becoming that trusted advisor with a servant attitude who first offers value and then solves problems that can open up doors for additional opportunities. Thank you for sharing that because I I heard or read somewhere, someone was like, you know, I need help. (laughs) You know, like, can someone help me? And it almost seems like just as you've said, the real question should be, who can I help? 
Yeah, because, exactly. Because who you can help is what's going to lead to to success in any way you define it. Don, what? Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to I was going to just say that I, I totally agree with you there. It, and it, a lot of times the the reward isn't necessarily financial, but it's the it's the change you've you've seen that you've helped facilitate in people's lives or or businesses that are more profitable or those things like that. Yeah, no, that that's powerful stuff. What I was going to ask you is, do you have any new projects coming up, or maybe you're writing a book, or you have a seminar, or something that you're excited about? You can share, and then how can people find you online to to connect with you and end with that? Well, I've had two uh, very successful books. One was called Confessions of a Hiring Manager Rev 2.0, and that was done in 2012. It won the Gold Medal Award for the Global Ebook in 2012 and it was the international book award winner for careers Correct. and the follow-up to that was called strategic career engagement that was the uh, uh, silver medal winner for the global ebook and it was the, the runner-up for the international book award but those are no longer uh, available because the pandemic changed all that information that i had in there oh so i took those down from amazon and uh, i'm working on uh, actually the books i'm working on are going to are going to be packaged as um, what I call uh, makeover kits, mm-hmm. and there'll be an ebook. There'll be a video, the series of videos, and an ebook that people can download. And that's that's I've taken that information, updated it for a post-pandemic work environment. I'll be launching that probably in the next month. And there's 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 a a quote that I read years ago from Adley Stevenson II, who was a former ambassador to the United Nations, Mm -hmm. former presidential candidate. And he said, you can't lead a cavalry charge if you think you look funny sitting on a horse. (laughs) So that's the title of a book I have in progress about leadership. You have to assume the attitude. You have to assume the posture uh, of being a presence-driven leader. in the in the workplace leadership starts with you first inside before anybody will ever follow you or or embrace your vision so that's a project i'm working on and i and i just launched a new one called the uh it's a year-long unlimited laser focused one-on-one coaching with me for an entire year Mm -hmm. for less than a thousand bucks wow yeah and so i'm launching that but my i typically uh, my target audience is uh, professional membership associations where they offer that as a member benefit. Got it. Yes. I usually charge a, two grand for that, but I'm offering it half price if they'll offer it as a member benefit. It's the Walmart pricing model. Mm. You know, you cut the price for the volume. Yes. And I'm, I'm also working with uh, the University of Texas in a similar program for their uh, extended education uh, outreach program. Wow. That is all so exciting. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, what's your favorite way for people to connect with you online? They can connect with me. Uh, they can go to uh, epicresultscoaching.com mm-hmm. or my website, Don Levy Jr. Strategies. It's Don with two N's, L E V I E J R strategies.com, all one word. Okay. We will definitely have those in the show notes, and I'll include your LinkedIn uh, profile. Um, but uh, 
it's been it's been exciting to make a new friend in Austin. Whenever Same here. pandemic is over, we got to do coffee or something. We got to count on it. Count on it. Don, thank you so much for being a guest. I learned a lot. I appreciate you very much. Dr. Pillay, thank you so much. We had a great time. I enjoyed it. Let's do it again. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpillay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.